0: You're listening to episode 253 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today I'm bringing you an extra special guest, my friend Jess Pinelli. And she is a female empowerment coach, host of the Jessica Pinelli podcast, and founder of Woman Up Monthly membership. Jess shows women all over the globe how to reconnect back to who they are and who they desire to become through a combination of soul and science. Jess and I met in Bali, we spent all kinds of time together, both in the gym and hanging out, uh, doing lots of barbell hip thrusts, <laughs> all the things, and we had kind of both had it in the back of our minds to do podcasts with each other for ages, and it just never really materialized, and I finally reached out to her last week, and I'm like, Jess, why have we not done this yet? <laughs> so Jess actually hosted me on her podcast, the Jessica Pinelli podcast, uh, just a couple days ago. So we recorded these back to back and the conversation was so good. Jess interviewed me first and the conversation was so good. We basically just carried it on into this conversation that I'm having with Jess. So it's kind of like a part one, part two situation. And it was such a blast. Both of these podcast episodes are incredibly raw, uh, extremely candid, and we're getting into some really heavy shit in, in both of them. So when Jess talked to me on her podcast, which I will reference the episode in the show notes, um, we got into why I don't believe that cheating is necessarily a reason to end a relationship, uh, whether I think you can be healed before getting into another relationship, how long you should wait before dating. Not having a five year plan, Uh, biggest lessons pulled out of some of my relationship experiences and how to use them to move forward. We're getting into all of that over there. So make sure to jump over there. And Jess was so, so generous with sharing her experiences on this conversation. Um, She is being incredibly open and vulnerable with us about losing her mom and a lot of the grief that has come with that, how she has experienced grief some really, really tough situations where entire family dynamics changed because of that entire situation that she has had to go through. And some of the things that she's pulled from that, Um, we're also talking about friendship breakups too, because that's something that, you know, we hear about relationship breakups, but we don't really hear much about friendship breakups. No one ever teaches us how to deal with that or when they might be necessary or how to handle them. So we're getting into that as well. Jess and I cover a lot in this conversation, and I'm really, really excited for you to get to know her. So make sure to go over and check out both episodes. You can check out the other episode uh, that we recorded first and this one as well. And I also want to let you know, before we dive in with Jess, I actually have opened up three coaching spots for one-on-one coaching as well. So you can book a call with me for a transformational coaching call, and we can get into all the things that you are dealing with experiencing right now to reconnect with who you are and to watch the magic that unfolds when you're able to do that. The, the connection that you have with yourself is where everything else comes from. That has to start first. That has to start from within. And you'll be amazed at what can come from coaching. To be honest, coaching is one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons why I am where I am today. I would not be where I am today if it was not for some of the just incredible coaches that I've worked with. So I'm really excited. If you want to chat, if you want to have a conversation about it, send me a DM over at Emily Goff Coach on Instagram, um, and then all the information to book a call is all listed in the show notes as well. Okay, so I don't want to hold things up any longer. Let's dive in with Jess. All right. Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And I have Jess here. Jess, I'm so excited to have you. Let's talk about all the things. Tell us who you are. Let's dive in. <laughs>
1: hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for
0: having me. Finally, Finally this, I know. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy to be on the podcast. Um, I am Jess Benelli. So I am a female empowerment coach. So I get into the nitty and gritty with all females when it comes to mental health, to lifestyle, to manifestation, relationships. And I really help you reconnect back to who you are and connect back to the woman that you want to become and and get you onto the pathway of becoming that person. So I do that through my one-on-one work. And I also have a membership as well that I started during COVID. That's my baby at the moment. I absolutely love it. So that, that is that is who I am. It's what I do. And, and I love making an impact on it. as many people as I can. I have my own podcast, um, the Jessica Pinelli podcast. So that was kind of what transitioned me into doing what I do now. That gave me the platform to really start stepping into who I am and, and have a voice. That's me.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And yeah, this podcast has been in the works for I think probably like a year at this point. Yeah. (laughs) And we just never really had like a full conversation about it. I messaged you the other day. I'm like, why haven't we done this yet? (laughs) So, that's (laughs) right. Jess is, we're recording these back to back. And the conversation was so good that we were like, okay, well, we're just going to make this an extension of the one that just aired on Jess's podcast uh, yesterday by the time this airs. So, if you want part one, go over to part one and then listen to the rest of this one, which is part two. And we're just continuing the conversation around relationships and stepping into who you are and all of these things. So just tell us a little bit about you when, when you and I were chatting, we were talking about this whole idea of embodying being the main character in your reality. And and when you said that to me, I was like, Oh, we, we have things to unpack there. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what that means to you and, and how you see that coming up both for yourself and with the women that you work with.
1: Yeah. I think for a long time in my 20s, so for anyone that doesn't know, I turned 28 uh, this year, but I think for a long time in my 20s, I really struggled to be in my own power. I, I've always been quite uh, a, an independent person. I'm an extrovert by nature. So it was nothing as of such of, you know, being shy or anything, but I think I always took external influences to heart. I would always worry, okay, what is this person thinking? Particularly my friends, I would think about, okay, the relationships that I had, you know, how how would this impact if I want to kind of try something new? And I think for a long time I was just scared to be the, the best, most outspoken version of myself. And I remember what really triggered me to think about this. So when I was 18, I lost my mum. She died from having breast cancer, and I remember for a, a few years I was in a kind of transition period of like, who am I? Who is Jess? You know, because I, you lose such a big part of someone, your mother, who was taking care of you, and she's taking care of me for 18 years. So it was kind of feeling like, you know, my dad was still in the picture. I, I have two siblings and stuff. So it wasn't that I didn't have family, but it was more like, wow, like. I kind of feel like I need to be a woman and I need to like start to look after myself and, and understand. And I remember for the first few years, I, and we said this in part one of the podcast, you know, grieving is a big part of life. And it, we were speaking about it in terms of relationships. And I think, you know, grieving death, but also grieving, losing that relationship with my mom. I was struggling to find the relationship with myself. I was 18 at the time. I went out, I was excessively partying, excessively drinking, Um, you know, I was social smoking, I was doing all these things. But, you know, apart from that, like, I still had big dreams, big desires of, of where I wanted to take my life and who I wanted to be. But I think because I kind of filtered and made excuses, I doubted myself a heck of a lot. And I would take on a lot from.
0: I think at the time I had a Tumblr blog. Do you remember Tumblr? <laughs> Tumblr. I I do remember Tumblr, but I wasn't on it. But I'm having like like a MySpace throwback right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, MySpace days. Bring back MySpace. Oh my god, top friends. <laughs> so I remember. Yeah, I had a Tumblr blog, and I and I was saying like I. It was one of the worst things I think for my self-esteem ever because I would just you know, look at all these pictures of these women. So at the time it was like, you know, thigh gab and like have the flattest stomach and all of that. So, you know, in dealing with grief and then I was excessively partying, I was at uni at the time doing my business degree, um, but then also having these like body image issues and, and self-esteem, I was just very, very low. And I was just not honoring my needs whatsoever. I didn't, I don't even think at the time I really knew what my needs were or what I wanted from life. I, in the sense of, I knew I wanted to be successful and I wanted to make an impact. I've always been a very, someone who's very outspoken and someone who loves to share ideas and even in school and and all of that. So I knew I wanted to make an impact in some way, but I, I guess I was just kind of just cruising through life not really caring enough about myself and 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 it's sad for me to say but I you know every hindsight's a beautiful thing you know I I learned so much from that and so you know what I started to see was even some of the people I was hanging out with they kind of had you know I've been very fortunate growing up I've had such strong relationships and, and good friendships with good people but you know, as we've discussed, Sam, like there are people that when you start to change and and you realize that you're not that person, they start to fall away. And I remember one of the girls who I was best friends with, I, after a couple of years, I realized I got to go to therapy. I, I got I to gotta deal with this grief because I've been pushing it to the side. I remember moving out of my dad's house for a bit because I didn't even want to be around my family. I was like, I don't really want to, I want to finish my business degree, but my heart's not into being doing a nine to five. And anyone that knows me, I mean, you know, like I am just not someone who's made for a nine to five to sit down. Right. Like I couldn't, like, that's one of the best decisions I ever made was to be like, I'm going to finish this, but I'm not sitting in an office. Like, that is just not me. And so I started to shift. I started to change. And I, I started going to the gym and I, I fell in love with working out and having a healthy outlet. And that, that's what I lacked. And slowly, but surely, yeah, I was best friends with this girl. And I and I remember I just, just I was different. You know, I started to be really different. And we started to grow apart and we had a few fights. And, and I think like from that, that's been a huge lesson because it's taught me that it's okay to lose friends. But at the time when we kind of decided we had a big fight and we were just like, I don't want to be a friend. I don't want to be a friend. And I took that so... It was one of the worst things I'd ever experienced. I was like, wow. I had broken up with my boyfriend at 18 as well. My first ever boyfriend. I was like, I feel more heartbroken losing my best friend right now. I was like, this is, this is like what is happening. And so even though I started to go on this up, or what I felt like was an up for me and changing and, and understanding who I was and stepping into the woman I wanted to become... I started to slowly feel like, okay, maybe this is, I I was scaring. I was psyching myself out. I was like, maybe this isn't what I want to be. Maybe this isn't who I am. Like, you know, who am I to do my business degree, but then, you know, fall in love with the gym and want to become a personal trainer and do this and do that. And so I remember from the age of probably 23 to 25 was the most hectic transitional stage of my life. And I became a PT and I fell in love with it. And that really started for me, started the whole the whole platform of me being able to be certain within myself. And I started showing up more on my socials, you know, I started using Instagram more. I started speaking on my stories, but at this time I, every time I would do it, I remember I would make sure my hair was perfect. I would wear makeup. Like even if I'd like come from the gym, I'd be like, make sure, you know, I looked good. So there was still this persona of how I was trying to be even though inside of me I was like okay I just want to show up and not give a fuck you know I, I have this idea I want to I want to make an impact on people but I'm still scared I'm scared of what people are going to think and and I remember that would go I struggled with that for these these next few years and that was a big thing and 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 then I remember I moved I changed jobs I started managing a studio and I moved into an apartment with a friend And I wanted to start a podcast. And I think I sat on starting a podcast for about a year of my life. Because every time I had ordered the microphone, you know, had GarageBand all downloaded, everything that I needed. And I remember every time that I went to go do it, I was so fucking scared of not really what strangers were going to think, but my friends. I was so, so scared. And like, I, I honestly, yeah, a year, maybe even over a year put it off. But I remember in this time, so being a PT, I started to build my presence a little bit online, but it still felt to me like I wasn't being completely, for lack of a better word, authentic with myself. Because, you know, I would kind of cut out Things of how I do, I, I didn't swear at the time. Now, if you watch my stories, I say "fuck" in every second, <laughs> every second story, like it's just who I am. Um, but I remember I got asked to speak at this event with one of my good friends and a couple of other ladies, and it was all about body image and, and confidence and, and everything. I got asked to speak and I love public speaking so I wasn't scared about that but I was like wow like this is this is a huge thing and I I get to be in person not just online and and you know speak about my transition of of losing my mom into where I am now and my confidence and I did this speak and I think it was a hundred women just over a hundred women and I felt so so invigorated by this whole experience, and I remember being up on stage, and like after I had so much adrenaline in me, and I was like, "This, whatever this is, this is who I am, and this is what I want to do." And and that at that very moment, I remember going home. I think I filled out half a journal with all these ideas, just like what we're saying about the phone notes, like yes. <laughs> all this, all these ideas of, of what I'm gonna do and who I want to become, and 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 all of this. And it again, I started to have fear creep in. I started to doubt myself. I started to see other people in the online presence. And I was like, wow, like, I'm not like her. Like, I can't be like that. Like, I don't know how to create like that. And I, yeah, I feel like I was going, uh, I, identity crisis is a very strong term, but I, I was like, I knew inside of me, I wasn't being who I wanted to become. And I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And even though I loved personal training I love taking group fitness classes you know and that's the one of the main reasons why I, I moved over to Bali at the beginning but I knew there was so much more for me and after a while yeah, it took about a year I, I started the podcast and I remember my very first episode I posted it nowhere I didn't tell anyone <laughs> I I like recorded it, uploaded it, Apple iTunes on the Spotify, and I just like I didn't post my story. I was too fucking scared. And I remember I even took a while to like record, whereas now I like hit record and that's it. Like I'll just go for it. I don't care about mistakes, but I was so nervous. And I put that out. And I remember a couple of days after a girl who had followed me for a while, and I, I had met her at the gym a few times she messaged me and she had a screenshot and she sent the screenshot of my podcast on Apple iTunes. And she's like, Jess, you have a podcast? I just, this just came up on my feed. I listened to your first episode. This is amazing. And the anxiety in my heart, I was like, oh my God. Cause I was like super myself on the podcast and like any of my podcast listeners know that it's just like the, the platform where I'm just fully myself. And my heart was racing and I'm like, oh my God, what if like I swore on there and like, you know, I was speaking about things that I don't normally speak about. Like, what if she doesn't like me? You know, what if she, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I kept reading her message and it was so lovely. And she was like, I hope you're doing this as a weekly thing. And I was like, wow, like, you know, but still I look back and I was like, I, at that point in time, I I needed that validation in some sense. I, I needed, and that's what I had kind of been seeking not actively, but I think throughout my twenties, it was always like, I need to be validated in some way, shape or form, whether, you know, for a long time, I actually had two Instagram accounts when I, I had my personal. And then the one that I, that is my sole one now at Jess Pinelli, it used to be JP fitness. And I, a lot of the validation came from the likes. It came from the comments and and people giving me that right now, right? And so I kind of thrived of that and, and made that transition. And slowly, I think one of the best things I ever did was quit my job, um, move out, move all my stuff into, I say, storage, my dad's house and go to Bali and, and start and find my feet and be honest with myself and, and ask, you know, the first two months in Bali were hard because I was like, if I'm going to make this work, and do what i want to do i have to and they the, the six months leading up to bali i remember every day i would wake up and i would journal and i'll be like if you don't make a change now if you don't become the main character of your story like for your 20s everyone around you is going to be the main character of your own story and you're going to be this bystander you know it's just like a typical movie it's like you have the main character and then you have the people on the street And I was like, fuck, like, am I the person on the street for my own life? And I I remember having a nervous breakdown with the person I lived with at the time. And I was just like, this is insane. Like, I am such a strong person. I am an independent person. I'm an extrovert. I love networking. I love being around people. Yet I am finding that I need to get everything I want internally from external influences. And I think it was, I was more disappointed in myself. And then, you know, from that, like I, more grief about not having my mum, because then I think I started to be like, okay, well, I didn't really fully grieve that properly. I went back and forth to a therapist. And at the time I was like, I don't need to speak to anyone. And now I actively see a psychologist, you know, I think it's one of the best tools that I've ever invested in but I think I also played victim mentality for a while too. I was like, I have this trauma and, you know, I, I have this inner child healing, but it's cause my mom died. And, and now like I'm strong enough to say and recognize that, but I had to unpack that and, and I still do unpack all of that stuff. But I, I had this talk with myself and, and it took so much courage, but I remember the first week of being in Bali I coached a championess. I started, you know, posting a few things on my Instagram and then it was into the second week. And I started to really feel like, also change of environment helps. I started to be like, wow, I'm, I'm really loving posting about all this stuff that I'm doing. And at the time, you know, a year and a half ago, it was more around, you know, confidence and And mindset, but more like the the superficial stuff of mindset, you know, before I got mentors, before I started educating myself. But I felt this, I can't even explain it. I, I felt this joy light up inside of me. And it was for the first time in a long time, probably ever since I could remember that I felt I am taking control of my life. I am doing something for me. I had people be like, oh my God, you're going to move to Bali. You're going to start a business. That's fucking crazy. Like, don't you want to come home and work for a bit and save a bit more money? And that was actually when I had that first two month run and I had to do a visa run. And I remember going back and I was like, right now you either decide to live how you've been living for the past few years as you're growing up or you make a change and you do something towards what, who you really want to become and, and you live in that and you struggle through that, but you also succeed in that. And I made that choice that the moment, I'll never forget, it, I got picked up from the airport at Perth and I reckon three hours later, I booked my ticket back to Bali for like the, the end of the week. And so I made that decision. And ever since then, I, every day, every day without fail, I will ask myself, am I doing this because it's honoring my needs or is it honoring someone else's needs first? Don't get me wrong. You know, I like am you, like, you know, teach about human connection, teach about the importance of relationships. But the most important relationship, I don't care how cliche it sounds, is the one with yourself. And I hadn't had that. I had not had that for the past past since I was 18, you know, even before then, you know, I was such a bratty teenager as well. I, you know, hated everyone. I wanted everyone to do everything for me, but finding that and don't get me wrong. There's moments now where I, I sit down with myself and I'm so overwhelmed and I'm like, fuck, like, you know, it, it's hard. Like, what, how am I going to navigate through this? And I, I first year of business, I have failed a hell of a lot. I, I probably, I reckon in the first year of business, probably found more than I've succeeded but others are, are the things that I've succeeded in worth it yes and it reminds me every single day that I would not be doing right now where I am in life anything differently and so I urge all of the listeners to ask yourself am I am I the main character of my story or am I just this bystander and I let everyone take the main role and, and go for it
0: I love all of that yeah and and that's there's so many things that I want to ask you about in there. I mean, one thing that, that came to mind, cause I want to get into more about, about your mom as well. Mm. Um, but I was also thinking about friend breakups. No one fucking teaches us how to have friend breakups. That's not a thing. Nobody ever talks about that because it's almost like there's this unspoken agreement that if we're just friends with somebody, then the connection will either just kind of like naturally fizzle out or we're pretty much with that person for life, <laughs> like it's like there's no in between and then there's such deep like heartbreak if if you have to leave a friend behind or or if you part ways for whatever reason and nobody teaches us how to have even those kinds of conversations with somebody where we maybe can see that the connection is going two separate ways with a romantic relationship it's more expected to have the communication But with a friendship, it's sort of considered okay to just kind of let things slide. And, Mm -hmm. but it's a relationship just like any other, you know, resentment can build, like there can be miscommunication if you aren't having good communication and all kinds of things can go wrong. And what, what a waste if, if a beautiful friendship goes awry because of those types of things. And if there's also a friendship that just simply isn't going to work anymore, that that's, that's a breakup, just like any other. And, and that, that can be a devastating blow. If it's, if it's a close friend, I've had this conversation with several people lately who have had to part ways with really dear friends and it's been devastating. And we don't talk about this enough when it comes to friends.
1: I agree. And like, I actually recently parted way with a really good friend of mine. Um, only as recent as a month or two ago and he was in my life for three and a half years and I would consider him my best friend ever and there was a a lot to build up to this moment and I think you know it's it's I'm glad that we're speaking about this because like you said there's not enough acknowledgement of how hard friendship breakups are and over my course of 20s you know I've only had a couple but fuck they hurt. And it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to let go of that. But this recent friend, he, he, yeah, there's no other way to put it than he was my best friend. And, you know, we're just right now, we're not on the same level. We're not on that, you know, when you try to make someone fit, romantic, platonic, whatever it is, and you're not on the same vibration, it is going to explode anyway. And I think, you know, going through the process of, grieving that and and realizing that oh I can't just pick up my phone and call him and FaceTime him like I normally would, you know, or I can't share something. He he's an entrepreneur himself. So you know, a big part of our friendship was discussing all things business and, and being like, hey, I have this idea. Or he would be like, I have this and go back and forth. And so for me, it's it's in a healthy way, filling the space of where he was. And you know, that's with any relationship and and kind of navigating like, oh, like, that's a huge part of me that it that is gone now. And it and I I'm not quite sure. You know, I feel right now I'm I'm in the stage where I'm not quite sure of how to fill that space or how to, I guess it's I guess it's sitting with it. It's sitting with the uncomfortability. It's not expecting, okay, any of my other friends like slot into this or I need to go make a bunch of other friends, right? And this again, this can be used for romantic relationships. But I guess it's, for me, it's sitting with that uncomfortability and, and figuring out, number one, what are the triggers that came up in that friendship that I had with him that I, that's, you know, every relationship is a mirror. So what I have to work on myself and, you know, what are the things that I love, you know, this is one of the best things that I've learned is what are the things that I loved about him and I loved about his company that maybe I wanted to magnify and amplify myself and I wanted to work on myself. And I think, you know, that, has held me and and that is only this type of thinking and the way I navigate any type of relationship, That is, this is very new to me. Ask me this maybe three years ago, four years ago, I'd be like, nah, like I'd, I'd probably be bitter. I'd probably, you know, be heartbroken, play the victim mentality and not really heal properly but I think now it's asking you know what did I love about him how do I want to cultivate that in my life whether that's within me or maybe that's going out and and making more connections and networking more and so I think it's very important for everyone to realize that if you are going through a friendship breakup or you sense that maybe that's where a friendship is heading it's okay to feel devastated. It's okay to feel heartbroken just because it's a friend doesn't make it any less worse.
0: And something I think that's important to note there too, is that um, that can also get even harder with age to make new friends too, Mm -hmm. because I, I think that the older you get, the tougher it becomes because Lots of times people will, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're busy. They have full lives with their, are mm-hmm. maybe they're raising a family. They have a spouse, like they already have kind of their set group of friends and they're not necessarily doing new activities where you would be more likely to meet somebody or something like that. I think that the older that we get, I'm not saying at all that it's impossible whatsoever, but I do think that it just gets a little bit tougher. And then you add in the extra layer of global circumstances right now. And Mm. that makes it even more difficult because we aren't out and about, like we are, we just aren't Mm. out socializing the way that we have before. So the online space is, is really beautiful place to cultivate some of those, but it's still, it's, it's tough. And I, I think that often we don't talk about the context of relationships, in, in in when it comes to friendships, and all of the nuances that come along with that, nearly enough because there's there's a lot involved with that. But I wanted to ask you about your mom too, because first of all, thank you for sharing that because I, I think that's I just want to acknowledge you for that because that's thank that I, I can't imagine like the really deep part of that that it resides within you for for you to be able to talk about that so openly. I give you so much credit for that, Jess, and when you did kind of get to the point of more actively addressing your grieving, what did, what did that look like for you? And, and how did that kind of, how did that come out? Like when you started to switch to sort of from, from pushing it down and kind of avoiding it and sidestepping it um, to more actively addressing it, what did that look like?
1: I was so tired of being in pain. I was so tired of being so hurt and so angry and victim mentality and just not not that I wasn't a nice person I just wasn't a nice person to myself. I wasn't true to myself and and yeah I think above all I was just so sick of being so hurt in my heart and feeling like you like you can feel emotional pain physically. And I felt that so, so much. And I didn't want to acknowledge it because it was so damn painful that the, any moment that I would start to feel it or start to acknowledge or something would come up with about my mum. Like I, the first Christmas and the first birthday and the first anniversary, the first are always the hardest. And I share this with people. I... Literally the first Christmas, my mum would make such a big thing about Christmas. It's probably why I subconsciously love the fuck out of Christmas. But I remember it was approaching Christmas and I was a Grinch. And that is not like me. And I just didn't want it. And I was miserable Christmas Day. Like I still went to all my family's, you know, lunches and dinners, but I was just hating life. And I was like that for a long time. And then it got to my mom's birthday, which is in April, the first to celebrate that. And I, she has a plaque at the cemetery in Perth. And I remember going there and I refused to go with my family. I was like, nope, I don't wanna do this. I wanna do this by myself. And I refused to sit in that pain with anyone around me, especially my family. And actually, I'll touch on that in a second. And then it got to the first anniversary. And I remember just being like, why? Why me? Why my family? Why did I have to go through this? Why didn't my soul choose this lifetime? (laughs) Like, why am I fucking nearly 19 years old now without a mom? Why is my sister 13, my brother 15 without a mom? Like, why, why did we have to go through that? So I sat in that for a long time and it was so painful. And I think what else didn't help, which is what I wanted to touch on, is I didn't realize this for years and years to and years to come, but everyone grieves differently in a family and people don't speak about that enough. People don't, like people really think that, okay, like my instant, you lose your mum, and everyone's gonna be all caring and loving and together 24 seven. It drove my family apart. It drove me apart from my dad. It drove my, my dad and my brother apart. I was barely there for the first you know, year or two for my brother and sister in the senses. I was very just like absent. And I, I think for a long time, my dad, the way he grieved. So my dad had been with this woman for 25 years, 26 years. I, at the time, because I was so engrossed in my own grief I didn't realize the impact like here I am like okay I'm 18 I've lost my mum. I didn't think like wow imagine my dad has spent a lot of his life with this woman he's gotten married to her he's had three kids he has bought a house with her and she's left it And so I didn't think of that. I didn't consider what type of grief he'd be going with. And so every time he didn't want to talk or every time he had a bit of an outburst, I was like, why do you hate me? Like, do you even care what's happened? And like, I had that mentality and my brother had that mentality too. Whereas my sister was definitely with the healing process, a lot more introverted. And so after the first, it wasn't even a year, but maybe like eight, nine months, I moved out for a year. And I didn't speak to my family for 10 months. That's how hurt I was. I, and a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people, I, I haven't shared this very often, but I couldn't. And I realized now that I was in so much pain that I couldn't bear to look at my dad, my brother and my sister, grieve and be sad. And to be in a household where you'd wake up and my mom and my dad would always be there. And now it was just like, now I have one parent, right? And I think, you know, something that I, I understand why people say, but I hated at the time was, you know, people would be like, like, I'm a big believer in, you know, the spiritual world. And my mom has definitely sent me signs all of the time. You know, she's visited me in my dreams. But when you're right in the middle of grief and when I would be like, okay, you know, I just have one parent now and people would be like, yeah, but like your mum's still there with you, you know, you know, she's watching you. And I just be like, well, she's not fucking here. She's not with me right now. You know, she's just not. And I would hate that. Whereas now like, I'm like, no, I understand. But when you're right in the middle, you just want that physical form. And so after all of that, and I, I was working at a cafe at the time while I was at uni. And I remember my brother came into this cafe on one of my shifts and I hadn't spoken to any of them for 10 months. And he walked in, and I saw him. And he looked at me, and he goes, "It's time to come home. It's time to talk to us." And I remember standing there, like I'm like getting teary now. I don't I'm think I'm teary. Listening until...
0: to this. oh my
1: god, <laughs> I'm tearing up. Wow. <laughs> um, I I don't think I like I've ever shared this story really. So this is good for me to share if it helps anyone else. But fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I remember just standing there and I just started crying and he like, my brother is so like, my brother's younger than me, but he towers the fuck over me. And I remember him just like bringing me into a hug and I went home and it was still really hard and and it was still really hard, but I felt like I, I couldn't run away from the people who, even though they had different degrees of grieving, they still understood what I was going through. And they still understood how I was you know, thinking. And I missed my mum so much. But you know, I, shortly after that, in a healthy way, I, I moved out. It was just time for me to move out of the nest. And that was good because it was on healthy terms. And I, and I lived by myself for a while. I think I lived by myself nearly two years. Um, that was one of the best things I think I ever did for myself in my 20s was live by myself. And really like, you know, like I've said, I'm an independent person, but that made me super independent, made me super just grown up. And it was the best thing for my relationship because I wasn't constantly at home, but I would go when I felt safe, when I felt connected to myself, I would go over and have family dinner and I would go, you know, hang out with my sister, hang out with my brother. But don't get me wrong, you know, I, I, even to this day, you know, there's, there's still, there's still kinks for lack of a better word in my relationship with my brother and sister, especially my sister sometime. And I think, you know, she's 21 now. And I think as she gets older, she's going to have to unpack a lot more, but there are definitely times when I know that I, she feels that I abandon her. And so for me to work through that now, you know, at nearly 30 years of age, like that's, that's a lot because I'm so much more further in my grieving process and where I'm at, than she is now at 21, and you know, and even with my brother being 24, like it, I have to remind myself that I am. I have probably been the strongest out of my family to realize that I didn't want to sit in that pain, and I didn't want to do this anymore. And so that's why I think my my grief process has just projected a lot more than theirs. But I, I have to, you know, I. I have to sit there and be patient because that's all you can do and I am the only one in my family at this point in time who actively sees a psychologist and I was on and off for years and it was not until you know a couple years ago I did it and then last year started going more regularly and I think for me it's it was not wanting to be so sad and hate life all the time and as I explained, you know, I was trying to figure out who I am. And I just was like, what the fuck? Like, I can't, I can't be, I can't have this vision for the woman that I want to become, you know, in my later 20s. You know, I was saying this to myself at the time of 22, 23. I can't be who I want to be now. I can't be who I want to be when I'm 30 and when I'm 40. If I'm just here, always in a victim mentality, if I'm always in pain, if I'm always going to use excuses that I can't do this, can't do that. And, you know, one thing, that has been very um, prevalent over the past few years is I have big abandonment issues that I am actively working on. And that's been one thing that I've denied for a long, long time and something I work on with my therapist because I I didn't really realize I had a relationship when I was 18, broke up. Um, that was for about four years from when I was 15, sorry. Then I had one up until I I think I was like 21 to 24. And then I had an an on and off one. But I think the big issue in all of this that I can see is, you know, the the attachment style, the abandonment. And that's something that out of all this grief has stuck with me. And so that's that's what I'm working on right now and, and what I want to work out of. But what people don't tell you about grief is that it never switches off. it it never just one day you've gone to a thousand therapy sessions you've you've healed with all your family you you're in a good place in life you you've got money in your bank account a roof over your head but you can still go to bed and have the aching feeling in your heart of like i just i just want my in my instance i just want my mum i just want her love i just want her right now and no one tells you that you that doesn't switch off you learn that you learn to live with grief you learn to live with some days you're going to have really good days like I think of course I think about my mom every single day right every single day but for the most part now I know how to actively deal with it in the sense that I can have a a moment I think of her or something externally reminds me or something gets brought up and I can talk about it and, and I can be okay but then I do have my moments where it's often around when it's going to be a birthday or an anniversary or Christmas was it was again it's hard it's much much better I had a really great Christmas last year but it's still hard because it's like this looming like you know those feelings are going to come up and and I used to be so scared of feeling that I think that's what happens and this is a reminder to everyone is when you start to push down those feelings of grief and sadness and anger. Like I was like, just imagine like in my body, I was push, 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 push all the way down. And then what I started to figure out is in the years, it started to build up, 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 up to the point where I just felt like I was suffocating and I couldn't anymore. I just couldn't. And it was just outbursts and it's not a nice place to be. You know, it's not a nice place to feel like that. And, And there was a period of time where I was smoking weed so I could get to sleep, so I could calm my mind. And, you know, I'm all for recreational use, Like, yeah, whatever. But it was to the point where that was constant every night for a good few months. When I moved out and I didn't speak to my family, I was smoking weed to get to sleep, to escape the pain, to, you know, to not feel... And that's what I avoided. And this is the hard thing about grief is, you know, we need to feel it to heal from it. But the biggest thing is we don't want to feel. And I didn't want to feel. And so no one can help you out of that. And that's like, you know, what I need to remind myself is no one could have really pulled me out of that. Even, you know, my my therapist, they are a tool, they are a platform to hold space for you. To give you resources to pull it out, but they can't physically take you out of that sadness and that anger and that depth that you feel. You have to be the one, and you know, you said this too, Em, with anything, you have a choice. And, and I'm very fortunate that I can say this after, you know, continuing my healing journey, because I know if someone right now is listening and, and they're, they might be right in the middle of it, it may be like, fuck, no, like I don't have a choice. I get that and I empathize with that but you do have a choice. And, but I had to come to that on my own. I had to realize that on my own, that I can go one of two ways. I can just cruise through life, you know, have these big aspirations and, you know, hopefully get there, do the bare minimum, doubt myself, you know, get external validation. Um, You know, there was even a period of my time after my second relationship, I I was sleeping around a bit. You know, finding that ex- again external validation through love of other men, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the way that I was. It wasn't like oh, I'd get sad if we'd sleep together and then never speak to me. I was being that person. It's because of my abandonment issues through then that I was like, I'm not getting attached. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ghost you, or I'm not gonna talk to you, or I'm gonna be so far detached. And I remember that there was one guy who I'd met in uni and we became really good friends and um, we started sleeping with each other and this this went on for on and off not a lot but for about a year and we kind of went our separate ways after a bit of time and I never really thought of it and it was probably one of my visa runs when I got back from Bali probably maybe my second one and he was going through a really rough time and we hadn't connected in years. And he messaged me on Facebook and he goes, hey, Jess, I know we haven't spoken in a long time, but I'm going through some really bad mental health issues. And he's like, I think you'd be the perfect person. Um, I know you're in Bali. I would love to talk to you. And it was literally, I got that message as I got off the plane onto Perth and I messaged him and I'm like, hey. I was like, it's so nice to hear from you. And I was like, I will always make time for this type of thing. It doesn't matter how long we haven't spoken. And I was like, I actually just landed in Perth. Are you free tonight? And we caught up and we spoke about what he had to. And I remember just making a joke with him. And I said to him, you know, it's funny, like nothing, we had such a great connection. And like, we spent so much time together in uni and like when we finished and I was like, it's just weird, nothing eventuated romantically between us. And he looks at me with this, this, this face of shock. And he goes, Jess, every time I'd wake up, you'd already be gone. You wouldn't even go to breakfast with me. You would take ages. Yeah, you would take ages to respond to my messages. You would only text me when you were out drinking. He's like, I made an effort if you scroll through our messages, which we did on Messenger. Because I was <laughs> like, no, no, I didn't. And I'm like getting defensive and I'm like, well, let me see. And he'd go, i try. I tried Jess. He's like, I loved being around you. He's like, I definitely could see myself being with you at that point in time. And that, that was only a couple of years ago. that really made me be like, wow, you you've been, you've been on this, this healing journey of grief and identity, but you have other shit to unpack. And I remember just sitting there and I said, I'm so sorry for how I treated you, I want you to know, like, I adored you so much. Like, but the Jess I was then, I was going through my own shit. And I was obviously projecting that onto you. And so it, it's been nice over the years, even though it's been hard and confronting. Like, that was very confronting. I remember working, and we spoke about it in a very healthy, you had a very healthy conversation. There was no attacking or anything. And he's, he's very emotionally mature. So that was good as well. But I remember going home that night and I was like, wow, like no matter what, and again, another thing people don't tell you about grief, like I thought I was doing really well. I thought, you know, I'd gone to Bali, doing my visa run for two days, I'm doing well. But no matter what, something is always gonna come up that triggers your grief, whether it's directly or indirectly. And and that was one of the things that got brought to my attention. And don't get me wrong, you know, that might that even if he hadn't brought it up and he hadn't messaged me, that may, that would definitely have come up in a future relationship or whatever it may have been. So I think like it's important to note that like I'm still constantly learning about, you know, the trauma that I've had and, and the things that I need to heal and, and and unpack. And it's scary. It's scary to be that vulnerable. It's scary to be confronted and it's still scary for me. Sometimes I'm like. So this year is actually in June, the, the 10 years of my mum passing away. And to me, that's insane. Like that's a whole decade. Like it feels sometimes like it literally happened last week, right? So that's crazy to me. But it, it, it's also like, wow, 10 years have gone by and, and stuff still gets brought up that I need to work on. So it's this constant working, working process but as you said, am like, you have a choice in every way that you act and every way that you behave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And I, I mean, a, one of the common threads that I'm hearing throughout like various parts of, of your story is when the pain of staying the same becomes too much, that's mm-hmm. when that pivotal moment always seems to happen. And like for anybody listening, you can physically feel it. I I posted on Instagram, uh, the other day about resistance and Mm. really like, like kind of putting on the brakes and fighting what, what life is handing you as opposed to just sort of accepting it. It doesn't mean that you can't continue to work towards other things and and all of that, Mm. but accepting it as part of the journey. When, when we butt up against that, and we, we have so much resistance to it, it can actually be physically painful And hesitation is really costly. And a lot of times we can see where we want to go, but we're stopping ourselves from making that change for a variety of different reasons. We're usually just getting in our own way and we're avoiding dealing with the things that we need to avoid to, to deal with and all of that. And it is painful. It's painful. And when we actually start to, to realize, because often there's a disconnect, we can be like, well, what's, what's this feeling coming up? Like, why, why do I feel not okay? Why am I feeling anxious right now? What is the deal? And the more work that you start to do in this, I think it becomes a little bit easier to start to pinpoint, oh, I'm feeling super anxious right now because I've been avoiding this thing or this conversation or this, this action that I need to take or this grief that I've been putting off and sidestepping for a really long time. And that grief (sighs) ah, <sighs> grief can sneak up and take us out of the knees when we least expect it. Like yes. you, you would be so familiar with this Jess. Like, you know, it can be a beautiful day. You can wake up like incredibly happy, all of these things. And then seemingly nothing can happen. And all of a sudden you get overtaken by a wave of grief. And yeah. it's, it's alarming. It almost, you're like, is this ever going to end? Does this ever get better? And it's like you said, that sometimes there are cases where it's not going to get better but you can you can almost get used to it like yeah. you, you see it coming up right like is, has that been your experience as well
1: yeah definitely and i think i think that's been one of the hardest things to accept though is that you do you do learn to live with grief you do learn how to navigate your world but understand that this is a part of you and this will always be a part of me and like you said like I can wake up in the best fucking mood, you know, and go about my day and then something will just happen out of the blue or there will be a reminder and I've kind of taken back to that place of feeling sad. And, you know, I I think for the most part, I just say just, but I mean, I feel the emotion of sadness more so than anger these days. I used to be very angry about it. That was probably my dominant emotion when it came to grief because, you know, as I said, like, I'd be like, why the fuck is this happening to me? Like, why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? You know, going around and around. But I think, you know, that's has glad that I've kind of worked through that because sadness isn't nice to feel either, but anger, it just it's not nice in your heart. It's not nice to feel that and, and project that as well and then exhibit that to other people and situations you are in. But it's just one of those things that you, and for anyone listening going through grief or you know you have struggled with grief, like it's let's normalize that you can be like me almost 10 years on and have a bad day. I had a bad day the other day, I think like a week and a half ago. You know, I just woke up and I just missed my mom. I miss talking to her. I miss certain things and I, and I miss that. And that's almost 10 years on that. I had a shitty day from that, but you, you learn the ways and the tools and the resources that you can have at your disposal to help you get through that.
0: Well, and I think it's also important to note too, that this isn't always true, but a lot of times anger is a secondary emotion. And anger is usually a mask for what's going on underneath, which is usually pain of some kind. And and normally that's, that's how anger manifests. And I also wanted to, to circle back to, for a point that I I think is really important that you made about how mental health professionals are not a magic bullet that, -hmm. and I I think sometimes we, you know, we can almost, and and I wish that they were, And I, and I work with the therapist, mental health professionals too. it. And, and that's not, that's not, I'm not taking anything away from them. I, I think that it's just really important to keep that in mind that they are there to hold space and to guide you and to help you see and better understand, you know, patterns and, and all of these amazing, amazing things that mental health professionals do, but that that's not going to, uh, save you from doing the work. Like that is part of doing the work and the only way out is through, like you still have to go through it, but what would you rather have? Like, you know, one or, or two or three decades of pain and suffering and, and, you know, acting out in a, in a wide variety of ways, whatever that looks like for you or, uh, sabotaging relationships. Like there's so many different ways that this can manifest, or would you rather have the, the slightly shorter term pain? of working through it. And something like grief is a little bit more complicated because that that obviously it's still going to come up. It's just that, Jess, you have, have learned ways to manage it and like have tools at your disposal to figure it out and to recognize it for what it is rather than having it completely take you out entirely for like long stretches. You've you've learned to to navigate it a little bit more. And I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, I think I it's... It's good to touch on that because my, my first attempt at seeing a psychologist was, I think, just under a year where after my mum passed away, so fairly soon after. And I think I had that perception. It was a fail because I, I didn't go back after a couple of sessions because I was like, this isn't going to fix me. This isn't going to help me. And I was so resistant to it. Um, but I love psychologists. I love my therapist. And But that's the thing you need to recognize that you don't go see someone like that and think that you are going to be a few sessions in or do a whole year or whatever and then all of a sudden you're fixed and everything's all good, you're healed, there's nothing that will come up. It is a platform to hold space for you, to to transition you into where you want to be And, and people need to recognize that because you know I do see a lot of people who are going through something, whether it's grief or whatever it may be, any form of trauma, and they think, okay, well, I'll see a psychologist and, you know, I'm going to go see them for 10 sessions and I'm going to be fixed by the end of it. And I'm like, that's not how healing works.
0: And it's the same with coaching too. Like it, it's the same with, yeah. with any type of, of modality for anything. It, the, the best things in life do not typically come from the snap of a finger. Like you, you typically have to put a little bit more into it in order to get the result. And sometimes there might be a bit of a painful process to get there, but who, who do you want to be? Like, that's, that's what it has to come down to. Yeah.
1: Jess, this has been awesome.
0: Where, where can people find you and connect with you and work with you? Come connect with
1: me over on my Instagram at Jess Pinelli, I'm sure, and we'll put it all in the show notes with the spelling and stuff. Um, Also, as she mentioned, part one is on my podcast, the Jessica Pinelli podcast. So go listen to that as well, because I think this (laughs) has been perfect to separate them. Um, At the moment, I am taking on one-on-one clients, but I also have a membership called Woman Up Monthly. It's a platform for busy women, and it's all about learning how to attract healthier relationships, align with your life's purpose and to find and create the happiness within you. And that's been my baby since COVID started. So I would love to have as many of you on board, but yeah, that's how you can find me and work with me.
0: I love it. Okay. And then I always wrap up with one final question, which is if you could give people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be?
1: Oh, good question. So much is like in my head right now. I think, might sound a bit cliche, but it's true. Whatever is scaring you, just do it. Because 50-50, you succeed or you fail. And at least if you fail, you learn. And then you know the other direction you go, you're going to succeed.
0: I love that so much. I I always tend to feel like if something is scaring me, I need to run towards it. Yep. Yeah, great. Because I'm like, that's scaring me. Like, I need to maybe not bungee jumping. I don't wish (laughs) (laughs) I will jump out of a plane all day, and I have, but I will not bungee jump. It just seems way riskier. Yeah,
1: I'm like, yes, I want to bungee jump. (laughs)
0: Hey, you go bungee jump. I'll go jump out of a plane. We'll we'll call you. (laughs) That's That's good. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on, and I just have loved both of our conversations, so much fun. So I will link up the other conversation as well on your podcast and I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> Thanks, um. Thank Thanks, you. girl.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.